Okay, good morning, everybody. It's Tony Fleming. This is our 8 a.m. Eastern Book Club call. We do this call every Saturday morning. Um, make sure I'm not muted here. Yeah, every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central. And on this particular book club call, we talk about a particular book. <laughs> it's not a uh, book of the month. It's a book of the moment. And we've actually been reading this book for a couple of months now. Um, and it's called The Magic of Believing by Claude Bristol. It's an old-school classic. And um, so we take this book club conference call, and we load it on podcast platforms. We have 16 different ones from iTunes, the break of the Spotify, to Apple. Uh, got a bunch of them that we're on. So if you stumble across this and you say, wow, this doesn't sound like a podcast, it's not. It's actually a literally a conference call that we load on the podcast platforms for easy access and for some people to actually stumble across it, you know. So if you're looking for some mindset stuff or things of that sort, we do talk about that a lot here. Uh, so just hold on. Uh, check it out. But we, you know, for the ones who are uh, that are trying to really get this stuff in their system, because, you know, we believe that, uh, that everybody needs a um, – paradigm shift because of how we grew up most people grew up in a poor middle class neighborhood so the the verbiage the things that we heard uh came from poor middle class so the thought process was different and experts already say that we retain you know the stuff that we really hear at an early age from the womb to age nine and it's still there i was reading something the other day about that that you know at four years old i mean you really really whatever you hear from family members, friends, pastors in the neighborhood, you really, really retain it and believe it. And so uh, that's what we talk about here. Let's pull up some of those things and let's uh, see if we can, you know, look at them and say, okay, is this going to help me move forward or is it holding me back? So that's what we do in the book club. we got a replay number also, 712-432-1085. 712-432-1085. Same pin code you called in on, 783-357-POUND. And uh, you can listen to the replay tonight, which is Saturday and Sunday, and then on Monday we change it up. So uh, is our guest speaker on today? Are you there, ma'am? Good morning. I am here. Uh, All right, all right. Well, we're going to get started in 1 minute and 15 seconds. So let's do this first. Right back. Warren Buffett once said, the more you learn, the more you earn. Warren Buffett. One of the wealthiest humans on the planet is famous for reading more than five hours every day. Bill Gates reads one book per week. Mark Cuban, three hours a day. Oprah, well, she's just obsessed with books. Notice the common theme here? Successful people never stop learning. You're trying to get your freedom. You're trying to learn how to read. You're trying to escape. Uh Uh-uh. It's Saturday and it's 8 a.m., folks. It's that time. Time for the 8 a.m. Blog Talk Book Club. Let's go, folks. It's time to stimulate the mind. Time to hear thought-provoking words. When we read, your imagination improves. You become smarter. It reduces the stress. Yes, that's right. It reduces the stress. Let's go, folks. Let 
me make sure I set this recording. Somebody just sent me a text, and, you know, I am getting younger, so I'm not sure if I did this or not. Hold on a second. Yeah, I think that person is getting older. You know what I'm saying? You could call me Tony Buttons. So as I get older, I get younger. I'm going backwards. So uh, the recording was on, ma'am, but thank you for the text. Because uh, it could not have been, you know, it might have been not, you know, I don't know. But usually I do this like a like a robot, kind of on automatic when it comes to pushing these buttons on the book club. So, but we're here. All right, so we got Miss um, Carrie out of Houston, Randall Brown, and she's going to read from the book, uh, The Magic of Believing. And I'll be here if you need me to jump in. If you're good, just keep going and uh, tell us what uh, pages you're going to read from, and uh, you can take it from there, ma'am. Good morning. So I am reading from Chapter 9, Belief Makes Things Happen, and it's on page 306. What color is your book? And I downloaded my book, but it was red. Red. Okay. So that I think that was the original version uh, of that book. Uh, if it was a red cover. Uh, so it's probably different pages for you guys if you're listening. So she said Chapter mm-hmm. 9, and what was, it, what was the subject? Um, belief Makes Things Happen. Okay. Belief Makes Things Happen. So y'all got to try to find that and work and go along with her uh, because if it was red, that was the original one. And I do have that, I think. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, see, so you said 309. Oh, dog. But see, since you downloaded, I don't think none of the books has 300 pages in it. So I guess it's probably the oh wow, you know the way it was uh, written. So I'll just I'll just listen and see if I can you know if you need me. But uh, absolutely, go ahead. Let's go. Okay, let's go. So um, it starts. I have long been convinced that various forms of telepathy or thought transmission are used every day of our lives, far more than most people suspect. I believe that many leaders, preachers, orators, executives, and so-called super salesmen exercise the power to varying degrees, some unconsciously and others thoroughly conscious of its workings. We meet a person, and before a word is spoken, we experience a like or dislike. What causes the feelings to register but to, but some form of thought transmission? I have already started that the only person explanate, possible explanation of healing and affecting others at a distance is through the medium of this phenomenon, of which we are only now beginning to get a scientific explanation. I pulled that um, excerpt out because I wanted to speak on the church, friends, and selling because that's what resonated with me. So picking up with the church, when we attend church, we are given scriptures like believe you receive, you shall have, um, all things whatsoever you ask when you pray, you shall receive. So the church teaches us to think on things that we like, that we want, and it gets embedded into our spirit. That's the um, words the church use. It gets embedded into our spirit. And from reading this this chapter, spirit can coincide 
with uh, our conscious because once it's embedded into our conscious, it's always there. It's like um, a data bank, a, a, a safe of where memories and thoughts are stored. So to me, it begins in my mind, in my thoughts, and once it's there, speaking it into the atmosphere, uh, when I was younger, I was told to think about something that I wanted and write down how many times I saw it. So I visualized myself in this certain car. At that time, I was really young, and it was like my dream car. And for the next week, I saw that car 17 times when before I was told to do this exercise, I would only see that car maybe once a month. So I felt it was in my subconscious and that when I saw it, it triggered my thoughts on that car and it triggered my feelings on that car. So that was one example. So I feel like the more I think about something, it makes it happen. It it like brings it to my mind. I'm more focused on seeing it or looking for it. And, and I think that's good things and bad things. I think it's, it's, just it's in our subconscious. Another example would be um, when we're cramming for tests. You know, we think we haven't um, retained the information. The next day you start taking your test and bam, you know, all that information that you crammed in comes back. So it's just like a, an affirmation board, a, a vision board. We're told to take all these things that we want out of life, cut pictures, put your face on people's bodies, and pin it to a board. And every morning you go to that board and you recite your affirmations of what you want out of life. And eventually those things begin to happen in your life because they become a part of you. They become a part of your thinking process. And my second point was, um, meeting people, I do believe in kindred spirits. I do believe that you can instantly meet someone without knowing anything about them, and you can be the best of friends, and I believe that you can meet someone, and those spirits don't that They are not um, cordial, and you know that that's not the person for you. So um, when I joined uh, this organization that I'm in, there was an instant connection with a person, you know. Never knew her, but our spirits were aligned. We liked a lot of the same things, and, you know, we laughed at stuff that wasn't even funny. But, you know, on the flip side, there are people who I don't spend a lot of time with and that I get intimidated by. And it's nothing that that person has done. It's just we haven't formed that relationship. So until I believe a relationship is formed, that's when the trust and uh, the focus to receive and to feel free to reach out to that person, that, that happens. So, And then for... The sales pitch, they mentioned the dealership in here. So I do know that, like, 
um, Walmart and car dealerships have this huge woo-woo session in the morning before shift, and the company just uh, focuses you on you can meet your sales quota, you know, your excellent um, customer service for today. So they just reiterate what they want out of you. They put your focus back on what's most important, sales, sales, sales. You can do it. You can meet your goal. It's already within you. So these are some of the things that I took from that small excerpt. Do you have any thoughts, Mr. Um, Fleming? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, one of the biggest challenges is the uh, the first thing that you talked about, you know, what we think about, we bring about, and that's the whole point of these mindset calls and things that we talk about on here that, you know, the vis- the vis- visual boards, the vision tape, I mean, the vi- visualization boards, um, you know, speaking it, you know, affirmations, um, you know, changing your environment, um, you know, watching what you uh, hear, what you listen to, I mean, what you, uh, you know, mm-hmm. watching what you watch, if you could say that, checking out what you watch because all those things put thoughts in your mind. And when you put those thoughts in your mind uh, you're going, and you're going to think about them, you're going to wind up bringing about them, which, like, most people put bills in their head all day long. They're thinking about, and I understand that, they're thinking about how to pay this bill and how to pay that mm-hmm. bill and I don't have the money for this. And and you attract that. You bring that into your life. Also, you you know, a lot of people are thinking, uh, which I talk about from, from you know, from the womb to age nine, the stuff that you heard uh, growing up in your neighborhoods. If you was in a poor neighborhood or middle class, you know, a lot of stuff. You know, you might not have heard it from your parents. But a lot of stuff you heard from the kids, and, and you probably did hear from your parents also, from the kids, the pastors, the everybody, is that you know you you don't try this, don't do that, don't this ain't gonna work. You know we, you know who you think you are. Nobody in our neighborhood has ever done that, and this is what you should do, and you know all those things are are programmed in us deep down inside of us, and we think that you know uh, that we've moved on in life because we got you know our car, house, clothes, and or the degree or something, mm-hmm. but it never was addressed. You know, I don't know anywhere in school where they talked about that, where you can go back. I mean, I'm talking about from K to 12 or uh, even in college. Just go back and look at some of the things that we heard. That's why we all are kind of working on automatic. we just doing things and believing things that were, that was heard from years back. So it's so important that we watch what we watch, what we watch, listen to, watch what we hear, watch the people that are around us, the five, you know, people that we're close to all the time and the things uh, that we talk about. Uh, so, but that was funny to me when you said uh, you and your friend laugh at things that's not even funny. That is completely <laughs> true there, at least for one of them I know. I'm like, uh, <laughs> that is completely true there so uh but yeah uh do you have anything else uh any other parts you want to read sure i can read another part there was a part i'll just go on i have often sat he said the uh, author says that he has often sat in a famous lawyer's office and he dictated letters concerning business affairs 
when he dictated, he always paced the floor and his concentration was intense. I, I do know that sometimes, like preparing for this, I found myself walking around saying, okay, you know, what do I talk about? What do I, how do I explain this? How do I put my thoughts on paper? So I began to pace, and it was like, like thoughts started to come back of, of things that had happened and things that people have said. So I sat down, and I was like, I need to be seated so that I can write my thoughts down. But lo and behold, once I think you open your subconscious, all of those memories just start to flow and things that you didn't even realize that you remember comes back to you. I, I never thought about my childhood until I was contacted to do this and I read this chapter and I was like, wow, you know, we were told certain things being young because that's what my parents were told and that's what my grandmother told my mother and my father. So it was like being raised on 30 years of history in a new, in a new age. So old things don't always work with new products, I would say, with new people. Um, I was a reader, and when I got grown, I just, I just started working. I was focusing on not living the way I was raised. I didn't want to be um, my kids to grow up in a housing project. I didn't want to live paycheck to paycheck. I didn't want to have to wear hand-me-downs and stuff that was sewn and didn't want to shop at Goodwill. And I didn't want to do all of that. So instead of the key reading to open my mind and to expose me to new things, I was taught to work. I've been working since I was 15 years old. And it was work, 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 work. I saved, which my mom didn't teach me to save, but my husband did. So I've been working, like, all of my life. And with the pandemic, you know, people were laid off. I was one of those people. So that was a struggle time for me because it was embedded in me. Yep. It, I was told that my family, my family name meant, we were hard workers, and now that I'm older and I raise my kids, I just feel like get an education, use your education. If you want to be in business for yourself, there's billions to be made in business for yourself. But I just think the stigma in, in our culture hangs with us, and it could be a handicap with us. Wow, uh, that is so true because, you know, that's what, you know, growing up I also heard was just you just got to work, work, work. And uh, my dad would say that all the time, boy, I work for every dime I get. I work hard, son. And, and he did. He's a, you know, he used to, to get part-time jobs. I, I told you all before, my dad was the 
the teacher that got all the good part-time jobs, and people would call him because he had the hookups. You know, what I'm saying he would, <laughs> he knew people, and and so when they had part-time, these were school teachers with you know with their degrees and master's degrees, but they, mm-hmm. you know, they they always worked someplace else. It was just work, work, work. He couldn't even make it to my high school football games. He he are my mom, and but you know I would come home and tell them about it, and they could, you know, they knew other people, so I didn't. I wasn't the guy that was worried about my folks being in the stands because, you know, I knew my mom wouldn't come in, but my dad would have come if he wasn't working all the time. Um, but that didn't stop me from being in the newspaper almost every other week about, you know, some tackles that I made. So, uh, <laughs> But, look, I know what it is when it comes to working, you know, um, and that thought process, you know, it's like, you know, it's almost like, it's almost, and I'm not saying it is the same as what uh, Lewis was talking about yesterday on being institutionalized. You know, you get institutionalized on a job at a particular position of what you're doing, but you can also get that when it comes to your thought process on work because it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult to even explain to somebody uh, that you can uh, get money when you're not working. It's kind of hard to explain to somebody that you about leverage and how to, incorporate the efforts of other people and things of that sort because we're so conditioned to that. So I can imagine sitting at home for other people, too, who when the pandemic hit and they couldn't work, and now they're sitting at home and, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, divorces happen because of that, arguments, uh, uh, you know, drug, I mean, you become drug addicts or alcoholics, you know, because you're sitting there trying to figure out what do I do now when I'm, Always, and I'm not saying that was you. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that you know thinking, "What do yeah. I do now?" Because I can't work. And um, wow, that's a that's a good point there uh, to be to be doing something for so long, and that's all you do. You know, like it's. I like to use examples sometimes how people look at um, what we call work. You know, most people look at work as you know you go punch in or you go to a job every day, that's work. But if you're doing a business, a home-based business or something like that, that's not work. Then you're kind of scamming people, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, you know, it's like that's not the same thing. My my partner, uh, right. my partner used to talk about how when he had a couple of part-time jobs and he would go to those part-time jobs in the evening, he had two boys that he was raising by himself, you know, he would leave them at home. You know, they were young, maybe nine and eight, but, you know, he had to go do that. And, you know, the neighbors and everybody else would watch out and say, you know, that's a great man. But but when he started a part-time business and he would be out late, then the neighbors would say <laughs> he chased yep. the money and he's leaving his kids at home. And, and that's a thought process that we have of what we call work. You know what I'm saying? Our work is we visualize that as going to punch in the clock or having a salary and you go to these jobs every day, which, I, once again, I tell everybody that's great. You know, I don't tell anybody that you shouldn't do that, but I do believe that you should have some additional income and it doesn't have to be a part-time job like people think. It could be a part-time business. So, all righty. Anything else you want to say on that? Yes, just one other thing. Okay. When I was laid off, it wasn't mm-hmm. that we had a lack of money. Mm-hmm. My husband retired um, during COVID. He got severance package. He has a pension. He has a pension that we live off of. But because 
it was so ingrained in me. To get up every day. I was a stressor. I didn't even know that I was stressing and not being able to communicate with people and and see people because of COVID. All of that Mm -hmm. played a factor, and I didn't even realize I was slipping into depression. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. just thought, I've worked all my life. I know we have this, but I gotta work. I gotta work. So when I thought about that, I'm like, have I passed this on to my children, to my adult children? Well, one of them, absolutely not. But, um, (laughs) but it's just things and places we thought we would never be. But because mm-hmm. of circumstances, that generational stuff plays a huge part. And, oh. you know, I took a, 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 a little uh, seminar about generational curses, but there's also, this has led me to believe that there's also, like, generational misinformation. Oh, yeah. I just think some of the things we were told was the best our parents could do, and that's what they believe in, which, you know, it, it, it knocks our heads against the ceiling. And there's so much more out there. I mean, we can travel, which, you know, if we went to the next city when I was growing up, we went out of town. But you have people traveling and, and making, you know, just like like the other guy said, um, Australia and all these places. Right. So I never thought that somebody, you know, from my background would be able to travel. And my right. husband and I are totally opposites. His dad worked at the refinery since he was, like, 16 years old um, for, like, like I think it was, like, 50 years. They all have college degrees and all of this. And his dad said, work, work, work. You get your degree, but you get on that job and you stay on that job and you retire on that job. And that's yeah. exactly what my husband did. Right. And, you know, a lot of that came from also the way we were, the way they came up. Because, you know, a lot of black folks couldn't work or, or they wouldn't let them mm-hmm. have the good jobs and you couldn't. So when the, when the well, so-called good jobs, so when the opportunity came for us to do that, just like education, when the opportunity came for us to do that, man, you know, we, we took it to a whole other level. And that's, you know, and I think you can see now how things are changing because that was the way that we grew up or your know, our parents grew up. I mean you get a you'll go get a degree uh if you could or if you got a good job at the plant you just stayed there and worked forever. Mm-hmm. You know, uh which was instilled in us and so then that's where that came from. But I think some things are changing now. People are uh you know how you said, you know, you stop reading because you just start working, working, working. That's how most people do. They just start working, working, working and that thought process and I think that you know, if you look at with the thoughts, feelings and action you know, I think most people just put the action in. They because we stopped thinking, we really stopped, you know, reading. So we didn't have the thoughts and the feelings. So, and from what you know, you know, the experts are saying, you got to have all three. And most people just had the action. So we got up every day. You know, you if you're gonna be in this house, you're going to work. You know, what I'm saying, or you're gonna be in this house, you're going to school. You know, that's just yep. the thought process. And so, um, 
uh, I think us getting back to reading and understanding that, you know, there's more things out here and more things that we can do, um, it's, it can help everybody, and we can pass that on to other people because we got to realize, I mean, to our younger people, that we got to realize that it's other things that you can do that may be not considered work, but it is work that you can make money from. And uh, so, but yeah, that was that was, that was uh, a good passage to read from, and I really like you know your uh, stories on there. And it's funny when you say you pace back and forth when you was getting, the, you know, we used to train people on if you're at home on the phone, you know, you should be walking back and forth really which I hadn't done in years, and I hate to say this, but, you know, it was at one point we used to get up and put on your clothes like you're going to, to, to work, like dress clothes almost, when you're doing your business at home because now you feel like you're actually at work going back and forth, you know. But a lot of us are at home now with shorts and T-shirt on and we're on the phone, which is a little bit different. I don't know. I, I'm telling you, I don't know if that's affecting the thought process or not, but I know we used to talk about that all the time, get up, get dressed, and when you get on the phone, you still feel like you're a business person and you're handling business. Um, maybe because the dress has changed now that, you know, people, their biz- business clothes is not the same as it used to be. I know in the 90s, you know, when we first started in the industry, we used to be suit and tie every day. We, we left the house just to go anywhere. We had on a shirt and tie some cufflinks. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about... And anybody we sat down with to talk to, that's how we dressed. Uh, but then it got more lax. And so, you know, we're not doing that as, as like that anymore when it comes to to business wear. Uh, but I was just thinking about that when you said you pace back and forth. But all right, man. Well, thank you, uh, Carrie, for uh, reading. We're going we're gonna to wrap up this book today. And we started with our new book, which I mentioned last week, I think. Or did I sit on the call? I think I, I know I put it. Out that it's called the 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 uh, greatest miracle in the world by Og Bandino, um, and Little Blue Book. You know that book probably costs four or five dollars if you or it's always been four or five dollars. So I don't tell him what it costs now online. It could be two dollars if you find it somewhere. But it's a little small book, uh, a great story. He's a great storyteller. Og Mandino. If some of y'all have never read him before, he's a great storyteller, and he incorpor- incorporates leadership and mindset within the uh, the story. So that should be a simple read. We can finish this book in you know a week or three or four days. So if you finish it quickly, just reread it again and highlight it. We'll be talking about it, and I think everybody should enjoy this book. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be anybody who reads this book, you know, confused or even, you know, thinking, I don't know what he's talking about. You should get that. Uh, you should get all of it. So, yeah. So Beverly just texted me, says she got it for a dollar ninety-seven. See, you can get it for a dollar ninety-seven. So somebody who paid four ninety-nine, like, oh man. Okay, folks, but we are on uh, a number of the podcast platforms, so please check us out there. Anchor, Breaker. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, Bullhorn. So we're on those right now. We'll be on a few more. So check us out there. All right.